Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977, or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. That's, that's, that's good. It's real good. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> My wife is not here today. She got angry with me and said she wasn't coming to hear me preach. Plan. We have family in town and kids are fixing to go back to school and so our nephews are here from Jessup and it's going to be a while so she's, they're all at the house, okay? So First Kings chapter 19, I want to try to, I've got a pile of notes and I'm dangerous sometimes with a pile of notes, um, but I want to try to put some <clears throat> more language to what we're doing. And um, really just, it's amazing how that video goes right into what we're going to talk about. This morning was the first time I saw that. And uh, I was going to use a video from 2016. And Stanton showed me that first thing this morning. I said, we'll use that one. We'll use the updated version. Uh, you guys are doing an amazing job. And, um, and so we, we're, we're proud that you guys are really doing what you set out to do on the from that first video that I I watched last night when you did that video that you guys were born to run. We're, we're running. Amen. You believe it, church? We're running. We're running a race. So uh, I want to talk about a bunch of things. I really, uh, a kaleidoscope of things, but I want to talk about purpose. I want to talk about destiny. Um, and I really, really want to get into this thing uh, that it's by no happenstance we're here. You with me now? How many believe that there's, there really are, that our steps are really are ordered by the Lord? You know, if we truly rest in that, we wouldn't fret over if we're going to do the will of God or not. We just trust through relationship that he's leading and guiding us and directing us. How many knows we're not the first people to ever join up here to run? As I watched this, that where you were looking at that water tower, I have to wonder how many's looked and gazed upon that field and prophesied and declared the word of the Lord over it. Hello, we got into this Wednesday night when Peter and John were at the gate called Beautiful and the guy was healed and Peter began to preach and explain what happened. And he said, he said, the prophets have prophesied and we're sons of those prophets. We're heirs of those prophecies. So what you and I, the awakening that we feel in our soul, I'm telling you, it's not just something that we prayed into. Don't think that we qualify for something like that. Even our desperate cry for God, I don't believe that God responds to that desperate cry as much as he put the desperate cry in us, and he's responding to his own cry that he placed on the inside of us. Come on, it's not by works lest any man should boast, but it really is by his grace and goodness. He really has fought all of our battles. That needs to tell me every, every devil I ever come against has already been defeated. Come on, somebody. Why? Because he defeated him for me over 2,000 years ago, and he stood in great victory, and now he lets me share in that victory. Come on, somebody. 
So you help me preach this morning. I, I want to I use this story of Elijah and Elisha, but I want to set up and I want to just read some of the things. I'm just going to read some of my notes that I, I got here, and I got a couple of scriptures. And the scriptures I'm going to start out with, I took out of the Passion Translation. So if you're reading out of the New King James, it'll be worded a little different. But number one, let's establish this. We were created. We were created on purpose, and we were created with a purpose. We're just not some arbitrary happenstance. We were created. Are you with me now? We were created, and we were created on purpose. You did not just get here because two lovers, come on somebody, were in passion together. You were not just here by happenstance. Nothing arbitrary happened. You got to understand that the creator of the universe gave his nod, and you entered into the earth realm at this time. And you didn't come in with your purpose. You came in with his purpose. As Veron Ash says this, make no mistake about it. This is his play. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Come on, somebody. Hebrews 12, he, look at, he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author and finisher of the play. We just play the cameo roles. And so while our job is to simply just live with him, move and have our being in him, trusting that he works all things out for the good of them that love him and are called not according to their own purpose, but unto his purpose. So that tells me God's got a purpose. Come on, somebody, for your life, for this region and what you're doing. You're not just doing mundane things. You're not just a plumber. You're not just a teacher. Come on, somebody. That just happens to be something you do. Your identity is a spirit-filled believer. Come on, someone, that the kingdom of God resides in to bring change. Oh, yeah, yes, so oh Lord. Psalms 139, listen to this, verse 13. This is good. 16, out of the Passion Translation. You were formed, you formed me in my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intrinsic outside, and wove me all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is so marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully skillfully shaping me from nothing into something you saw who you created you saw who you created me to be before I became me my God this is good come on y'all you saw me you, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I ever saw the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Is that not good news right there? Listen to this. Ephesians 2.10, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. We are not just here. Listen to me. You didn't just happen to wake up and come to Cornerstone this morning. Come on, somebody. I just didn't happen to get born again in 1998. That is not when God found me. Come on, somebody. That's when I found God. Come on. He's always known where I was at. Oh, yes, so oh Jesus. Job 10, verse 8 says, Your hands made me and fashioned me. Listen to this. The value of the Creator should cause us to consider our own value. 
As the scripture says in Exodus 15, 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Psalms 113.5 says, who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high? The same God created us in his very own images and likeness according to Genesis 1.26. Once you discover who you are, you will have no desire to be anyone else. You will never get up and run as long as you sit in the corner wishing you were someone else. God made me the way I am. I can want to be Stanton. Come on, somebody. I can want to be T.D. Jakes. But God didn't need another T.D. Jakes. He needs you, friend. He don't need another John Bagley. I can be the best John out of anybody in this room. He needs you to be who you are. You are wonderfully created in the image and likeness of God. He put his own purpose and his own destiny inside of you, and you are the only one that can feel your call, your purpose. Are you with me now? Without you, the puzzle is missing a picture. Uh, the piece of the puzzle is missing. We will never see the entire puzzle complete until you wake up to who you are. This is good. And as I hang out with him, I discover who he is. And in my discovery of who he is, I find who I am in him. Are you with me? As he is, as he is so are we in this world. So each of us are created. I can't do what, what David does. David can't do what I do. I can't do what Jesse does, and Jesse can't do what I do. How many knows it takes all of us together? It does not. We don't just need the preacher, and we don't just need the worship team. We need everyone in their place doing their call and their purpose. Come on, y'all. Help me out here. The value of the Creator. There is none like Him. That's what makes me valuable, not because I am me, but because I am created in his image and his likeness. This is why we must show everyone honor before they deserve it, because every person on the face of the planet is created in the image and likeness of God. Come on, somebody. What makes me valuable is not that I'm a preacher this morning. What makes me valuable is not necessarily that I'm unique this morning. What makes me valuable is I am created in the image of the Almighty God. Friend, you are very, very precious and rare. Listen to this. I'm really going off, and maybe I should have played the first video, the one they did in 2016, where it says I was born to run. I'm going to get to the text in a minute. I just got to set some things up. We got to learn to celebrate our own uniqueness. Look at this in Romans 9. Why wasn't I given certain features, and why do I have the things I do? Because I was created for his purpose. He saw me before what I became. I don't know why God made me so good looking, but he did. He chose that before I ever entered my mother's womb. Come on, somebody. Look at Romans 9, 20. I just feel like that we, before we're ever going to complete our purpose, we got to learn how to be us. We got to learn how to be us. You got to learn how to be authentic. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Allison. Fail for me. We got to learn how to be authentic. You with me? We got to quit trying to be everybody else. Just be who you are. Just settle the fact that God created you the way you are. Are you with me now? God created you the way you are because of his purpose that he's trying to work out in your life. You with me? If he had wanted you 6'4", he had created you 6'4". You with me now? If he had wanted me to still have hair, I'd have had hair. I didn't choose to lose it. It just left me. Come on, somebody. And here's the deal. It don't take long to dry it. <laughs> you don't even have to have a whole towel. You just use a wash rag. 
You with me? Let me sing the, uh, the face app that you can do to age yourself and all that. You know what I'm saying? I got that, and it's got, it's got hair on there. I can add hair to it. You know what I'm saying? I got me some blonde highlights in there, too, on that. But it, listen to this. Listen to this. You got to learn. Look at this, uh, this scripture right here in Romans chapter 20. I want to read this out of, because listen to me. As long as you, young people, this goes to you as well as anybody in this room. But as long as I sat in the corner wishing I was Trenton, I'm never going to run the race God gave me. I'm going to just sit there and envy his race and, and, and have jealousy over his race. But I got to realize the same God who called Trenton also called me. Come on. The same God who called Bill Johnson and equipped him to preach the gospel is the same God who called me and equipped me to preach the the gospel. You with me now? He just has the privilege of being in Redding, California, and I have the privilege of being in the South. You with me now? It's the same deal. So look at this. Paul addresses this issue in the book of Romans, the ninth chapter and the 20th verse. Look at this. He said, but who do you think you are to second-guess God? How could a human being modeled out of, being modeled out of clay say to the one who molded, molded him, why in the world did you make me this way? Or are you denying the right of the potter to make of the clay whatever he wants? Doesn't the potter have the right to make the same lump of clay an elegant vase or ordinary pot we have to trust the potter that he has molded what he has molded is enough I have to trust the the potter that what he has molded is enough for me to accomplish my assignment. Come on, somebody. That I don't have to go be someone else. That what he has made is good enough. Come on, somebody. To accomplish what he's called me to do in this region. That's good. All right, now let's look at this text in Elijah. Look Look at your neighbor and say, you got purpose. You got a great destiny. You got purpose and destiny on the inside of you. You understand that God deposits this when you enter into the earth. Not everybody awakens to this. Not everybody says yes. There's listen. There's we we, we used to say in the Pentecostal church. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. I believe when you entered into earth, God expected it. He had an expectation of you that you would say yes to your purpose. He never expected you to walk away. Hell was never created for human beings. Come on, somebody. It was created for the devil and those that fell with him. So I believe our name is recorded when we enter in. Come on, somebody, before we ever enter in, because God expected me to awaken to the destiny that he put in me. And so the things what makes us valuable, listen, Paul said we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. It's not the vessel that is valuable as much as it is the treasure on the inside. It is a picture when Gideon went out to fight. Come on, somebody. He had pictures with a torch on the inside. What made the what made him win the battle was not the fact that he was carrying a picture, because when he shattered the picture, The light that was in the picture got exposed to the enemy. This is a picture of Christ on the inside of us, the hope of glory. What makes us valuable is not the picture. It is the light and the glory of God on the inside of us. He puts this in us before we ever hit the earth. Now look at this. I want to show you in this story, 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's look at verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing... Man, what if your daddy's name was Shaphat? Look at this. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he went and he went with him, the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, please, 
let my kiss, let, let, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became the servant. Listen to this. First of all, I want you to notice in this text that Elijah was was plowing with 12 yokes of oak a uh, 12 yoke of oxen that was before him in other words he was faithful with the task where he was at right now one of the things that we've been talking about we do not take our children and look at I do not look at Asher who is 8 years old and say my god I wish you was already in college but we do this in the church we take newborn Christians and we wonder why in 2 years they're not out shaking nations we force growth on them. Listen to me. What you got to understand, if God is the one who's instilled the purpose in you, if God is the one who instilled the destiny in you, whatever, because have anybody ever got a prophecy and thinking, how in the world is this ever going to come to pass? I want to tell you how it's going to come to pass. When you take care of what is right in front of you, Y'all, this is, come on, you take care of what is right in front of you. If what is right in front of you is being a housewife and taking care of two children, everything in your destiny is wrapped up with what is right in front of you. Elisha was doing the ordinary thing in his day. He was out plowing. He was out with 12 yoke of oxen. But what was in front of him, he was faithful. Jesus said it like this. He who is faithful in, in, in least will be faithful also in much. Who... He who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. How you look at the little, how we manage the small paycheck will determine how we'll manage a large paycheck. How we determine the little things on the job will determine how we'll handle the big things on the job. Sometimes God has us in seasons where he's seeing if we can be faithful with just what is in front of us. I don't believe that God's destiny for Elisha was to be a plowman, but there was a season where he had to learn how to plow. His, his destiny was to become a prophet and he would be a greater prophet than his teacher Elijah and do twice the miracles he did but before he was ever known as the prophet he was known as the plowman my God I'm trying to help somebody it's every task this is what we tell our young kids over there with this with Stanton I said how you handle taking out the trash on Wednesday night determines later down the road how you will serve when you have your own ministry come on somebody listen the greatest leader is still the greatest servant you got to learn how to serve. And you got to learn how to serve when nobody's looking, when nobody's giving you the attaboy. And know this, that the God in heaven is watching how you plow. That's good. There's things that you can learn plowing that you don't learn in other places. First of all, he's not known. He's not known by anyone. We find no, no record of, Elish, of Elisha's family. We don't know how he was we don't know how he was brought up. We don't know what school he attended. All we knew is he was faithful with the 12 yoke of oxen and he was faithful with what was in front of him. And as he's faithful being faithful in front of him, he is ready for his next step in the Lord, which is where he'll meet a teacher and we'll go on with that in just a minute. Now listen to this. So he was faithful in what is least is also is also faithful in much. Luke 16:10. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in what is much. How we treat every opportunity. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. 
It says, in him we were also chosen, having predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He is a God of absolute purpose, and he works all things out to the counsel of his will. I can trust him in whatever situation I find myself in. Listen to me. That God is working things out according to his counsel. Some of the storms that we want to fight off and pray off as the devil is nothing more than God himself trying to refine us. Come on, somebody. You remember Malachi? He said, I'll come to my temple suddenly, and I was set as a refiner's fire. How does God refine gold? You and I, the gold he's refining. James says, count it all joy when all these trials and tribulations come that your faith may be as pure gold. You with me now? We trust him that he has a plan and he's working it out. Psalms 33, 4 says, the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. Nothing any human being says or does can restrain God's purposes from coming to pass in my life. Listen to this. The word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Listen, no human being, nothing any human being says or does can restrain God's purposes from coming to pass in my life. My job is just to keep agreeing with God on the purpose that he has destined for me. My job is just to agree with God. Everything you've said about my life, God, from the foundations of the earth, I say yes and amen to it, God. Regardless of what I see with my eyes today, regardless of what I feel with my natural body, I trust you, God, that your word is true and you work everything out for the counsel of your will. Come on, somebody. And you have nothing good to say about my life. You have nothing but good to say about my life. It's not because cause of me that God chose me but rather because of his purpose was sealed up in me what God is doing in our lives is bigger than an event or a church or a city did you hear what I said what God is doing in our lives today is bigger than an event a church or a city if we live and think that purpose is just about an event you will die of starvation until the next event happens but if you live that every day God is building upon principle upon principle and precept upon precept, you're not looking for the big event. You remember that Elijah had the big event happen. He went up on Mount Carmel. He challenged the prophets of Baal. He called fire down from heaven. Anybody would say, any preacher in his right mind would say, my God, that is one successful day. That is one great service. But what happened there is he goes into depression after that event happens. He finds himself under a juniper tree and God minister him, ministers to him, and then he releases this statement to it. He said, go find Elisha. Go find Jehu, whom the sword of the Lord that escapes Elijah will not escape Jehu. Who escapes Jehu will not, will not escape Elisha. What God is doing, listen to me, we must have a picture bigger in our lives that the purpose that is upon your life, the purpose is not to make you grand and great. The purpose that God has in me is not to make me a big time preacher. But it's working far bigger than that, man. I'm just trying to tell you. There's a far bigger picture being played out than what we can see this morning. This morning, we think we're knocking out a church service on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. We all feel fatigued. It's kind of closed up in here. So we're just knocking one out. But you got to understand the picture is far bigger than that. The picture is far bigger than that. That's not, well, that's not what is being played out from heaven's standpoint of view this morning. What's being played out on the timeline of heaven is a generation that we must be faithful with the purpose of God in our generation. And we've got to live in such a way that we begin to see that the purpose on my life doesn't stop and end with me. 
For some of you, in, like me and my family line, I, to, to my knowledge, I haven't dug probably enough back in ancestry, but to my knowledge, I'm the first preacher to ever come from my line, of, my, my tree line. You with me now? My, my, in my family, we did not come from a line of preachers. I got a line of alcoholics and all kind of stuff. But I just made a, made a choice when I was a young man that this thing is broken in my life. We're starting a whole nother tree. Come on, somebody. We're not going to have a tree of gamblers. We're not going to have a tree of alcoholics. We're going to have a tree of men of women of God. Come on, somebody. That are full with the kingdom purposes living inside of them. And so, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. That what God is doing is bigger than me. And we must be a people that see something coming in behind us. Not only am I to receive, but I'm also to give. If the only thing you do is receive, you are a dead sea, friend. What makes the dead sea the same river feeds the dead sea as it does uh, the Sea of Galilee? What makes it different is one has an outlet and the other don't. Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. That doesn't apply to preachers. That applies to the whole body. The whole body is about receiving and giving. Now, whatever stage you're on, whatever level you're at in here, everyone in here should be teaching someone. And everyone in here should be having a teacher in your life. We preaching this for the sake of the podcast. I said everyone in here should be a teacher and everyone in here should have a teacher. Hello. I still need a teacher. Bat still needs a teacher. Are you with me now? So the job is freely you receive, freely give. Now hear this. Elisha is about to meet the teacher. You're never going to get to fulfill your purpose until you run up with the teacher. There's teachers in your life for a season and there'll be teachers in your life forever. Are you with me now? Some teachers come in your life for a season just to get you to the next level. But let me tell you something. If you are know-it-all and have it all figured out, you have stopped growing already. Come on, somebody. We're to remain a novice saying, my God, teach me. Are you with me now? So listen to this. What? It's not because of me that God chose me, but rather his purpose was sealed up in me. What God is doing in our lives is bigger than a Vienna church or a city. Elijah went in depression after calling fire down on Mount Carmel. God's purpose was not to stop at that event, but for him to find his predecessor. What God is doing is, is, is generational. Listen to this. He pours out his spirit on descendants. Acts 13, 36 says, David served God's purpose in his own generation. Purpose does not serve us. We serve it. We are just one piece of the puzzle. It's about a generation. The ones that were before us and the ones that followed. This was the purpose of the colliding of Elijah and Elisha. When we live with this this, this viewpoint, God will cause people to collide with your life. Are you with me now? God will cause people to collide with your life. I'm not here today by some happenstance, friend. Do you understand? The reason why I'm preaching to you this morning is because I had an encounter with the Lord in 1998 in Bacon County. Are you with me now? There was a man that changed churches and got 
voted in this one church that knew this man named Dale Young. Are you with me now? He calls him up, just happens to come run a revival in a Methodist church. No charismatic preacher gets called to run a revival in a Methodist church. Come on, somebody. God will make the impossible happen to find one person. Come on, somebody. I was an 18-year-old kid in that in that church when this man, Dennis and Bash and, and Dale showed up at the church to preach. That is not happenstance. That is purpose being sealed up in me and God is colliding me with paths. Come on, somebody. God, I'm trying to help us here this morning. God is colliding me with paths that are bigger than that one night event. When I walked up to Steve and I walked up to Dale and I said, do you believe in predestination? And he quoted me the scriptures that I just read here this morning. It was bigger than a Sunday night revival service. There was something in there for kingdom purposes. What I want to tell you every day that we have the opportunity to collide with someone that will forever change our destiny. All we have to do is be ready. How we tend the oxen right in front of us every day determines whether or not we will get the collision that God wants. Lord, listen to this. I want to, I could go a little deeper here. Listen to this. In John chapter 1 says this. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was 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 with God and the word was God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God John is the only writer to start his gospel out the rest of the authors start their gospel out one starts out at Abraham the other starts out at Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus but John goes back before to the actual beginning when it was God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Ghost there in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God I'm just trying to help you here I'm really preaching a Calvinistic message this morning are you with me now that you and I really don't have a lot to do with it God is the great orchestrator of our lives come on if we will walk with him Lord Jesus, help me God finish out right here in this Presbyterian church. This, um, so it's really like this. Listen, in the beginning was the word. The word is logos right there in the Greek. The word logos. That word logos is intelligence or strategy or blueprint. Listen to this. What John is saying before we, before the world ever was, he was. What I'm trying to tell you before the world ever was, you were. Oh my God. I was with him. Come on, somebody. We were with him. Come on, somebody. And he was strategizing. He was looking at the blueprint. And God saw right here. Listen to me. What you got to understand, God saw in 2019. I'm going to cause a Stanton Moore to be 24, 25, 26 years old. I'm going to have him to have a youth group called Firehouse. And they're going to extend the movement in this region right here and obey the purposes of God in their generation. Come on. Are you with me now? And if the Lord tarries in 2019, there will be a generation that we never seen come on somebody that we prophesied over that we prayed into that the call of God will awaken in their life because if you don't if you don't look at it like this you'll think you're getting all this on your own prayer life you think that you're fasting and bending the hand of God we're not fasting and bending the hand of God God's just saying my God I'm glad y'all woke up I've been ready to move here for about 25 years Y'all been out playing and goofing off. I've been, re- I've been sitting here waiting. We've had all this stuff waiting. Come on. He's had it waiting since the thing began. 
We think because we cried out, oh, God, send revival, that God's starting on. Lord Jesus, they, they done bit my wrist hard enough. Jesus, send them something down there. No. You and I wake up and discover what was already there. When someone gets healed, it's not because we pulled the lucky slot and someone got it. Come on, somebody. It was already provided for over 2,000 years ago. We just walked into what's already been provided. When someone gets saved, listen, they just walked into what's already been provided. Oh, yes. All right, look at this. I want to look at this verse of Scripture right here. Look at verse, verse, nine, verse 10. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left out here. I'm the only kingdom man in this state. I'm the only man in sports believing for revival, God. Tell me y'all ain't never thought that. Huh? We're the only one preaching this, Lord. Man, Kenneth Hagin was preaching, stuff. Bill Johnson preaching now. Ron Ash was preaching stuff we ain't never heard and still ain't walking in it. <laughs> Folks so scared of him, they just, I, I, I don't know. You with me? I'm the only one left. Look at him. I believe that Elijah was saying, I recognize there's something on my life that's not normal. How many knows that people do have things on their life that are not normal? You with me? That are not normal. And I believe Elijah was like, man, what's on my life ain't normal. I mean, I, I ain't never met people that, that uh, prayed for the heavens to shut up and it didn't rain for three and a half years. I ain't never met a man that saw the cloud the size of a man's hand and told his servant to get his horse up and get it ready, gird your loins, and then outrun him, going back to Jezreel. Come on, a flood was coming. I ain't never seen a man like this. So he's looking for a place to plant what has been deposited on his life. This is the only way momentum happens. Are you with me now? Momentum doesn't happen when each generation has to start from scratch. Momentum happens when we hand off the inheritance to another generation and we allow them to run. And the most trickiest place, listen to me, is at, in a marathon, uh, uh, what I'm talking about here is the place of the, potas, of the passing of the baton. And how we know this, that any, in any race, the fastest runner is at the end of the line because he will make up the ground, come on somebody, that the other runners lost. Oh, that tells me about something that's coming on the scene, y'all. Hello. Jesus saved the best wine for last. Joel said there's coming an army like we have never seen before, nor would there be anyone after them. They know how to march in, in, in martial array. These are people that know who they are. Come on. They're not trying to be Jake's. They're not trying to be Parsley. They're not trying to be Bethel. They're not trying to be Elevation. This is a people that know who they are. Come on, somebody. David wasn't trying to be nobody else. He just realized who he was. And he realized, listen, that Saul's armor couldn't fit him to take out no giants, but he was real good with a slingshot and a stone. And he had to use what he had been given. So the, so the tricky part is, how, how do you hand the baton off? How do you look to be a place of, of, of deposit? What, what, kinda, what, what is a candidate to get a, a deposit of anointing that's on someone's life? 
Because let me tell you this, I believe God wants to bring teachers in us, into our lives, but until we learn how to model what it's like to be a candidate to receive the teacher, the teacher's not coming. The teacher only appears when the student is ready to receive. The teacher only appears when the student is ready to receive. The teacher only appears when the student is ready to receive. So I begin to, I begin to think, you know, God... I want to be a good student because I surely want the teacher to appear. Y'all right? Y'all just want to go eat some chicken or what? Huh? Y'all right? Get, we got 10 minutes left to fly. All right? The, the teacher appears when the student's ready. Notice that Elisha, when Elijah come by, he recognized what was there. He recognized the presence. He recognized the mantle that was on his life. When he came by, he didn't wait around to pray about something. He knew that it was God. He immediately burned up the oxen, left it, and began to follow hard after him. He began to run, he began to run after what he saw upon that man's life. Now, here's a couple of things I want to look at before we leave. Look at Matthew chapter 7. As a sower, I look for good ground. I'm going to show you what the ground is right here. Matthew 7. Verse 6. He who hangs earrings on a dog's ear who, 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 who would hang earrings on a dog's ear? Let's finish up with this letter. Who would hang earrings on a dog's ear? Why ain't the teacher showed up in my life? I'm going to ask you this question. Who, who would hang earrings on a dog's ear? Who would hang earrings on a dog's ear? A throw, a throw pearls in front of wild pigs. They only trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. Who would hang earrings on a dog's ear or throw pearls in front of wild hogs? That word earrings is, is, is gold. This represents the truth of God's word. The pearls represents wisdom. People are looking to sow, I'm telling you. People are looking to sow. They're looking to deposit. Come on, y'all. I said there's people in this room looking to sow. There's people in this room looking to sow. But they can't hang an earring on a dog's ear. And they can't throw no pearl in front of no swine. So what makes me a candidate to collide is how I'm fixing to model my life. Do I believe that there's something in me? First of all, you got to believe there's something in you. And if you believe that there's something in you, that that worthless feeling will begin to break off of your life. Some of us need to put sticky cards on the windshield and say, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. I've got great destiny and a purpose. See, because we can't, we can't, you can't even attempt to preach about a letter that I wrote 10 years into the future telling that the earrings is hanging on dogs' ears. They don't believe such as that. Well, it's always been like that. That's because you don't believe the God we're talking about, friend. 
I said we're wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. God would not seal a provision in my heart and put me in Sparks, Georgia and have no way of accomplishing that. I can get to five people that believe that. I said there's no way that God would put a vision in your heart and give you no legs or no ability to accomplish that. I can tell you one way it can happen. Let me meet Bill Gates. Him scratch me a check, buy the real estate, we'll build what we want. We'll have all the buildings looking like Danny down here. We'll give them something to talk about. What they doing? He want to believe something like that for. We got one person remodeling the building. God comes by and tells him something. Why are you remodeling your building? It's always been like that. Well, we're not here to talk to you, sir, because we're not here to tell you the way it has been. We're here to tell you the way it's going to be and what is in our heart. Come on, somebody. We're not building what used to be. We're building what God is saying will be. That's what we're praying, and that's what we're speaking into. Hello? I don't care how long the schools have been bogged down. They're not bogged down anymore. Come on, somebody. Why? Because God said it. When Hannah was on Shiganoth praying, she didn't wait till she felt a baby kick in her womb. She heard the prophet. Come on. The man of God said, about this time, God will do it. The Bible says she had an age, She had a sad countenance. But after the word of God came to her, she had a, she had a joyful countenance. And she got up and ate. Why? Because she believed what God said. Hello. Moses had to endure persecution and ridicule for building a boat. What are you building a boat for, man? Are you on crack? Nobody, you never seen no rain. God said build the boat. Nobody had ever seen an airplane either when two brothers, Wilbur and Orville, was in a bike shop in Daytonville, Ohio. Come on, somebody. But when they realized they had a dream and their dream was to get that bike, come on, somebody. They didn't have airplane parts. They had bike parts. They used what they had, but they had vision. And so then they write the, the Noah Weather Service and realize where's the most gale force winds? Well, you got to get to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Some things God places in your heart. Listen, because, listen, the reason why we don't see it come to pass is because the people won't open up to what God's trying trying to do. Listen to me. You determine the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. You do. You have your hand on the valve. Let me say this. Every Sunday we come to this church, the congregation has their hand on the valve of the, of the Holy Spirit flow. You, the congregation of this morning, are determining what you will get out of this tank that is standing before you. Come on, somebody. If you open up to receive or if you don't, if we're closed, no gifting comes. No anointing comes. No wisdom comes. None of what is in me comes out but the hungry people pull what is in you that has been in you for a long time will bring it out my god that's good listen who will hang an earring on a dog's ear nobody so the earrings gonna represent truth pearls represents wisdom look at this this word throw or king james renders this word cast don't cast your pearls before swine. That word cast means to teach or instruct. He said, don't teach or instruct those that have no value for what is in your life. Oh, now, my God, I'm, I can preach on right now. I'm about to, about to feel some little bit of trickle. If we got the, if we're not in the coffee straw anymore. Now we got us a straw, regular straw. Hard blowing it through that coffee straw. Listen. They have no value. This is where the humility of heart comes in. Listen to this. 
An orphan will always show at the house full grown. A son will never be full grown. Oh, that's good right there. I said an orphan will always be full grown. A son will never be full grown. He's always teachable, always pliable, ready to learn. So, how how do you look? I'm not going to hang. We're not going to hang. We're not going to hang anything. We're not going to hang no earring on the dog's ear. We ain't putting makeup on on a pig. Listen to this. When the student is ready, the teacher will show up. Matthew 10, 8, freely you receive, freely give. We walk in both roles as student and teacher. I walk in both roles as student and teacher. Look at this, Galatians 6, 8. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is who we're going to look to sow into, those that are sowing to the Spirit. Now listen to this, when you get saved, whether you get saved to firehouse, however you get saved, when you get saved, the seed of the kingdom goes in inside of you. That seed will relay their dormant if you do not do nothing with it. Well, I just can't get free. That's because you're not sowing to what is inside of you. If you sow what to what is inside of you, it will grow. So you look, when did the teacher show up? When he was plowing. What do, when we talk about plowing, what are we talking about? We're not talking about getting out there with no hares or no donkey or anything like that, riding a tractor. We're talking about plowing in the Word. Plowing in worship. You look for people that are going after. You say, hmm, Joker right there has been running. I'm not saying that, listen, what, what God has done in Matt's life is what God's done. I've just had the privilege of watching it. But when I met Matt, he bought new the crab family. Now he could get up there and see. He'll take you through the fire again. We'd... Remember that? Remember you had the hat like Jason Crab? Had the hat and all. Signed CDs the whole nine yards. I said, You ever heard of this? You ever heard of that? What was happening because God had exposed me more, now his world was growing larger. This is the role of the teacher to expand the view of the student. Expand the world of the student. Some of us, my God, I'm telling you, including me, we need some teachers in our lives. If you can't see nothing but sparks, you definitely need a teacher to come and open some blinders. There's a whole world outside there. There's a whole world, a big wide world outside there. You with me? There's moves of God that is going on in the earth. Hello. They not sitting down in China waiting on the preacher to shut up where they can go eat some chicken. Hello, thousands of Muslims, millions are coming to the Lord in the Middle East. God's on the move, church. All right, listen to this. So you look for people that is sowing to the Spirit. Elisha was ready to receive, and there was a mutual recognition by both men. How we know he was ready? Because he was a student, and he was plowing. Listen to this. Elisha was unseen, unnoticed until he met Elijah. We talked about this at the lodge the other night. You're gonna be have to you're gonna have to go through seasons when nobody don't notice you. If you can't plow when nobody notices you, I promise you, you will stop plowing when people do notice you. That's good. If you can't plow when nobody knows your name, then you're not a candidate to even talk walking what I'm talking about this morning. 
Jesus put it like this way. If a man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not worthy of the kingdom of God. Listen, man is the last one to recognize what's on your life. God has put it that way to see if you will do what you will do for him or if you're doing it for you. I just don't understand why the break don't never come in my lane because you're still doing it for you. Start doing it for the Lord. If you plow, and this is the hard posture, Father, I thank you that according to your word in Ephesians 1.11, you are a strategic God. Nothing catches you off by surprise. You are very strategic in what you do. You are a master plan. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was your, your, was your blueprint. In the beginning was the plan, and I was there in the plan. Come on, somebody. This is how long this has been happening. And I trust you that the steps of the righteous are ordered. Notice he didn't say the elevator. Everybody wants to elevate, but the steps of the righteous are ordered. And we have to learn how to stay at each step and learn how to enjoy the journey. Because God is working out far bigger than you can see, friend. If we could see a thousand years into the future, you wouldn't see the impact of every decision you've made. Because there will be an impact of every decision that we make. We begin to live conscious of not only is my decisions affecting me, my decisions affecting the generation I'll never see. My decisions will impact far more after I'm gone. Of a generation that I'll never see. The days that I go to pray and I don't see anything to happen, and I'm just sitting with the Lord. But what if I'm, I'm sitting there that day, that years down the road, 500 years down the road, someone wakes up to their destiny because I sowed that day in prayer. I'm telling you the things that, listen to this. There was a man of short stature in the Bible by the name of Zacchaeus. We're leaving to go home on this. So I'm closing. Get your seatbelt on. We're fixing to hit the runway, okay? There was a man named Zacchaeus. The Bible says he was a short stature, but he desired to see Jesus for who he was. That is the prayer that should be in the heart of every person in this room. God, I want to know you for who you are. Not who Pastor John says you are. Not who Bill Johnson says you are. Not who my favorite worship leader says you are. Not who Damon says you are. But I want to know you for who you are myself. Says that he sought to see Jesus. But the scripture says he was a short stature. So he climbed up into a sycamore tree that was in the middle of the street. Do you know how long it took that seedling to get tall enough to hold a man named Zacchaeus? You think that seedling just happened to fall into the ground in that street? And just happened to survive all the donkeys, all the camels, all the foot traffic and never be trampled underfoot. Or do you think this, that there was an angel sent from God and that angel sitting there looking over that seedling and say, why in the world, God, do you have me even? What is this mundane thing I'm doing right here? You don't understand. 100 years from now, I got a man named Zacchaeus. He's going to have an appointment. Man, my God, y'all don't, I'm messing with y'all up right here. I'm going to have an appointment with a man named Zacchaeus. He's short and he can't see me, so he's going to need the branches of the sycamore tree to hold him up so he can see, see me for himself. 
I'm telling you, the things that we are seeing, the things that we want to see happen, the, the children that we want to see taken care of in this community, that did not just enter into our heart three weeks ago in a room of prayer. That has been in the heart of God the whole time. The things that we want to see with these kids did not just happen. It's, it's, it happened before March 10th, 1991. It's always been in the ground in this region. The apostolic center that God's talked about doesn't just come. It didn't just come in my heart because I heard Pastor Dale share it. Come on, somebody. It's always been in the heart of God. The building that we want to see happen, it is not it didn't just come in my heart. My God, Danny built something, I mean, 10, 12 years ago that blows all our natural-born minds. And nobody could believe for it at the time. Come on, that's a forerunner of what we want to see happen here. When we brought Dayon here last Sunday, you know, we took we went to the country club. And I said, do you eat food like this? She said, no, I'm eating at the restaurants every day that you are trying to pray in. And she said, I believe by God's grace and mercy, you're going to have a restaurants like you're talking about. I don't believe that Jonah's is exclusive to Thomasville. It just takes people that can dream and tap into the purpose of God and begin to partner with him to call it in, to pray it in, to walk it out every day. And little by little, as we partner with him, little by little, we'll begin to show aspects of that kingdom and attributes of that kingdom, and that will get on the people, and the mind shift, mindset of the people will begin to shift. They'll begin to see it different. Because you understand, there's, there's things that's hanging over this city that's causing the people to think the way they think. That's causing them to think the way they think, causing them to believe the way they believe. Don't ever be held down by small thinking, church. Always see it bigger. God's more than what we're experiencing in this room. Heard a lady sing one time. The church told her she did a good job. She said, that was all God. I want to tell you that. If that was all God this morning, we need to fold up and go home. That was a lot of us and a little bit of God helping us. If all of God showed up in this room, we would cease to exist in our natural form. Let's establish that right now. Your flesh will be devoured and ate up. There will be nothing left but your spirit sitting in the chair if all of God showed up. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the great privilege. We thank you for the great privilege of the baton that we hold in our hand. Father, help us to not drop it. Help us to not falter. Help us to not be swayed to the right or to the left. Let us stay clear upon the track. Father, give us the blinders like you give Secretariat where he doesn't look to the left or look to the right, but he just looks straight ahead. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us with a supernatural grace to run this morning, to run at a pace that we have never seen. I believe it's available because I've dreamed the dream, God. I've seen it in a dream. I've seen building I've seen building at a process that defies any natural logic you could ever happen. Look at me. I had a dream. This was probably seven years ago, eight years ago. I had a dream that we were building a building. Listen to this. They were laying the foundation as they were putting the roof on at the same time. Jesse and Steve, builders in this room, will tell you there is no way that is, that is humanly logical. But I'm telling you this. There's a grace that can come from God that defies all logic laws of natural ability did not the prophet declare there's coming a day where the plowman shall overtake the reaper the reaper shall overtake the plowman that means as it's being plowed there's a harvest coming at the same time as it's being plowed as it's being sown the harvest is there already there's no there's no winter summer 
spring, fall. There's just one deal. That's why Jesus could go by the fig tree and curse the thing because it didn't have figs on it. And he says it was not the time of figs because if it's plugged into a kingdom, come on, y'all. Ain't got to wait no nine months to get no figs. At Bethel, at their prayer chapel, there's a, there's a flower that blooms every 100 years. It blooms nonstop in that prayer chapel. It has never stopped blooming. A flower that only blooms 100 years, every 100 years, stays in nonstop bloom. Do you believe that's natural? No. Why? Because it's in a supernatural atmosphere. Father, I bless your people with the ability to dream bigger. Father, I pray God help us to be aware of everyday life, everyday life, every client, every, 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 everything that we do throughout the day. God, let us be faithful to the plow, what's in charge right in front of us. Whether that be a small group where I'm leading three teenagers, whether that be a youth group that I'm pastoring, whether that be the church I'm pastoring, whether it be my job, whether I'm a nurse taking care of a patient, whatever that lies before me God help me to be faithful with the little so that I can become rulers of much father I pray God that you would bring teachers into our lives God that will teach us and make a deposit in us God help us to be received ready God give me a heart God Lord that remains a novice and Lord that that will remain humble so that I can be able to have eyes to see when you bring the mantle across my lane And Lord, I bless these people this week. I pray that they have a great week. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Don't forget next Saturday, uh, the event, the catalyst that we're doing. Uh, Go tell some kids. Share it like Stanton said on your Facebook for us. And so that we can get these kids uh, some back-to-school supplies in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.